Hello and welcome to the All About Elephant Show on AAA Radio. My name is Nicole Rojas, and tonight I'm speaking with Barbara Lovett, co-founder of Save Nosy Now, a grassroots organization founded in 2014, whose original mission was to provide actions and education that would get Nosy, a circus elephant, to sanctuary and keep her there. Nosy is an African elephant who was taken from the wild and her family when she was just a baby. Once Nosy was safe in sanctuary, Save Nosy Now is incorporated to advocate for other circus and zoo elephants in North America. I'd like to begin this segment with a quote by John Feldman. Quote, I believe animals should be respected as citizens of this earth. They should have the right to their own freedom, their own families, and their own life. End quote. When I read these words, my heart aches because I believe it to be true right down to my core. All beings deserve freedom, equality, and respect. With game changers like Barbara and nonprofits like Save Nosy Now Incorporated, the groundwork for advocating for elephant rights are being taken seriously, which has also given us the opportunity and courage to be a voice for elephants. Welcome and thank you, Barbara, for being here today. Well, thank you for having me, Nicole. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about my work with the Save Nosy Now group, and I'm really pleased to be with you. And I also want to thank Gary Bowden for putting us together from All About Animals Radio. I think that uh, we can make some real differences in the world when we speak out about our work and our passions. I completely 100% agree with you. Thank you so much. You know, no, I was reading about Nosy and her rescue is just an amazing story of love. Can you tell listeners how you became an advocate for her right to live a life of freedom? Well, I actually come from the world of orcas and dolphins and whales. That's where I started my advocacy work. Um, I started very late in life. I regret that I didn't start earlier, but sometimes those things just don't happen with people and we take it as it comes. Um, I started out um, learning a lot about whales and orcas and dolphins uh, through the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. And I joined the Boston chapter so that I could get very involved in what was going on there. If uh, any of your listeners may know, um, Paul Watson was the founder of Sea Shepherd and he was very instrumental in bringing about some changes in how um, the orcas and dolphins and whales in our world are being treated. Um, and making sure that things were going in a a positive way so that they wouldn't be held in captivity and they wouldn't be killed for profit. Um, I attended lots and lots of um, different meetings as well as protests in Boston for um, Japan Dolphin Day every year and Worldwide Anti-Whaling Day. Uh, my husband joined me on these quests. We, we've been in this together for quite a few years now, uh, starting in 2008. And um, going in that direction, of course, led me to all kinds of captivity and anti-captivity groups and posts. And the social media that came about because of this was just incredible. Um, learning as much as I could from that world. I also learned that orcas being kept in captivity in places like SeaWorld and the Miami Seaquarium 
led me to doing protests in Miami at Wonderful. the aquarium for Lolita, the yeah. a captive whale there that's been there for over 40 years. Um, and in my work, I started doing a lot of writing on social media about captivity. And I was picked up by some friends who um, knew a lot about elephants. And I started reading a lot of their posts and learning more and more as I went. And one of the administrators of a very large group of animal lovers and elephant lovers on Facebook called Save All Elephants um, kind of pegged me and asked if I'd be interested in writing for Save All Elephants and learning more about elephants in captivity in zoos and circuses. And um, at first I was a little skeptical because I didn't know a lot about that field and what was happening in the captivity world of elephants. But I started doing a ton of reading. I, I ordered a bunch of books. I started reading more social media posts. I Google searched um, all of these different um, problems with elephants in our world um, and found that um, all of these elephants in captivity in the United States were, were being held um, against their will a lot of them had been taken from the wild and uh, forced to live in these small areas. Um, during, during all of this, I started learning about Nosy the Elephant. Everybody started talking kind of like all at once, it seemed. Maybe it had been going on here and there for a while, but all of a sudden the, the news just started expanding about this little elephant who lived in Florida. Um, at the time, she was around 30 33, 34 years old. She had been in captivity since 1984 when she was captured from the wild in her native land of Zimbabwe. Um, she was born in 1982, so that would make her about 40 years old or so now. And she's been in captivity since she was two years old. There was a government call of elephants in 1984. Zimbabwe tended to do that, as did some other African countries, and they're still doing it today to some degree. Yes, they are. Um, calling elephants as, as they feel they, the government needs to. Um, their, their idea of, of getting rid of uh, troublesome elephants is just to kill them. Right. Um, and it's been very difficult. Um, this big call in 1984 managed to kill all the adults in the herd but they saved the babies because there was a man in Florida named Arthur Jones, who was the founder of the Nautilus um, uh, exercise equipment. Um, he was a very eccentric kind of guy and had a wife who loved elephants and wanted a menagerie of her own. So they took the 63 baby elephants from that government call that they had rounded up and flew them on a huge jumbo plane to Florida, where they were in captivity uh, for several years um, until he decided to break them up. I guess what he didn't realize is that elephants grow up and they get very large and they become very needy because they, once they're in captivity, you have to feed them and you have to take care of them and you have to provide medical care and I think that it probably was overwhelming to him to know that he had 63 elephants 
that he probably couldn't take care of for their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And despite his wife's interest in holding on to these baby elephants, um, it became too much for the both of them. Um, They started selling them off to various zoos and circuses. We call them the Jumbo Lair elephants because the name of his facility in Florida was called Jumbo Lair. Um, Those 63 baby elephants um, went, as I said, went to the various zoos and circuses and Nosy was one of those elephants. And she ended up um, in various situations for a couple of years. We've heard that she went to to Puerto Rico for a couple of years. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. She was transported with one of the other babies named Mundi. Uh, She came back to the United States and was sold in 1988 to the Liebel Family Circus. The Liebel Family Circus was a very small um, family, um, Hungarian-raised Hugo Liebel and his wife, and children, and they tra- traversed the country uh, with Nosy in a very small trailer uh, for years and years. She was in the circus for close to 30 years before she was finally rescued. During those years, um, she, of course, grew into a um, relatively large elephant. She's an African elephant, so she has the beautiful African elephant ears. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's a little smaller, smaller than most African elephants, which kind of makes her more endearing to us because she appears more petite in some ways. Um, she is just beautiful. If you love elephants and you love the shape of elephants and you love everything about them, um, she is probably one of the most beautiful elephants I have ever seen. She was um, incredible to look at and to hear about, and everybody felt very emotional about her. And I realized early on in my research about Nosy that um, it was the emotion and that was going, and the compassion that people felt toward her that was going to make the difference in how she was going to be treated in the future and whether or not we'd be able to rescue her from the circus. Um, I had a friend um, who was working with me at the time um, at Save All Elephants who asked if I could set up an event page so that we could do a call-in action to the USDA. Now, the USDA is in charge of maintaining the Animal Welfare Act in this country. And the Animal Welfare Act, although a relatively good starting point, I guess you could say, for Mm -hmm. regulations and rules regarding elephants and regarding all wild creatures and other uh, creatures, other animals in our world, um, really is not enforced well. It's the enforcement and and the accountability of the Animal Welfare Act that becomes the issue over time. Um, as I found that out, I realized that we needed to really go after the USDA. We needed to start really, really pushing hard at the regulations and rules that we have under that AWA and make see if we could make a difference there. So we set up an event. Um, it was a call-in action to the USDA that provided um, various uh, fonts and and styles and 
wording for emails and phone calls and whatever people wanted to do to get to the USDA to tell them that we demanded that Nosy be free to a sanctuary. And it grew from there. Um, once I set up that event page, it was like um, a blossoming flower. It just took off. And we decided that it was worth you know, pursuing further what we might be able to do to get her to sanctuary. So we decided to start this group. Um, we named it Save Nosy Now. At first, it was just going to be Save Nosy. But we wanted it to, to be now. We right. didn't want it to be in the future. We didn't so want we it to be 10 now. years down the road. Right. And years down the road. So Save Nosy Now was um, developed in uh, 2014. And we continued on from there. We set up the Facebook group. Um, Save Nosy Now. It is a private closed group, which has members. So we decided that that was the best way to keep away, keep out all the uh, circus and zoo people who were really going to, we knew would give us some issues and problems. Right. And that way we could kind of do our work um, in a private setting with people who really cared. We could vet people as they wanted to join the group and decide whether or not, you know, they really were going to help or not. Um, it started out relatively slow, um, but within a few months, we were over a thousand members. Um, after that, it just took off and blossomed. During that whole time, we were doing actions um, very frequently, almost every day. We were following Nosy around the country. We had um, many administrators of the page from all over the world. We had, had them in the UK, we had them in Africa, we had them in the United States, Japan, everywhere, um, looking for ways to free this elephant. It was a magnificent feeling to know that there were so many interested people. And knowing that there were so many other groups out there also working on elephant issues, I knew that we could also do some collaborations. So we decided to do a, a large um, march um, in D.C., in Washington, D.C., in 2015, um, just a few months, just six, six or seven months after we had formed, to do a large um marched uh, against the USDA and let them know in person what we were doing and what we wanted them to do for us. We wanted them to save Nosy. We wanted them to get Nosy out of this circus and take her to a sanctuary. She needed to be confiscated. Her medical condition was very poor. We oh. could see it. We knew it. We were having people document her as she was traversing across the country. Mm. She was dealing with muscular atrophy. We knew that she was dealing with some kind of a skin condition. We knew she was having problems with her eyes because they were constantly running. Oh. She had a problem with her gait, the way she walked. Uh, we knew that she was probably dealing with arthritis, which is one of the main causes of elephant deaths in captive elephants. So we knew that our time was limited. We knew we had to move as quickly as we could and keep pushing and pushing. The march in D.C. turned up 100 protesters. Wow. And we, we were thrilled, thrilled. We marched around the USDA twice. We had um, major um, 
activists there from various worlds. Jane Velez Mitchell was there from um, the uh, her her program. She was a she's a huge animal activist. Uh, we had the support of PETA. We had PETA representatives there, um, and and we just knew that this would be a catalyst to get people excited, emotional, and vested in the idea of getting nosy to sanctuary. So we moved on from there. We did a large collaboration of lots of different um, organizations like In Defense of Animals, Mm -hmm. Animal Defenders International, uh, PETA, Compassion Works International, um, many of the larger groups that had been working on animal welfare and animal rights for many years um, and devised a what we called a nosy summit in January of 2016 and pulled all of those people together so that we could get the uh, background on what had been done and what could be done in the future. We, I really, really feel that collaboration is probably the essential part of any good work for any animal or any any cause at all. Collaboration works. If people are willing to give up their egos and give up their, their, their thought processes and focus on one particular cause. And we found that very helpful throughout the whole time that, that I've been with So Safe Nosy Now. Um, it's been very important for us. So that's kind of how I got um, got into the whole thing and, and where we, we took the first couple of years working on Nosy. A lot, a lot of legwork. That it was. A yeah. Lot of Following her around the country really uh, took up so much of our time. Um, I was working full-time at the time. I was working in really uh, working full-time doing medical devices of all things in the medical device industry. And during the day, I would take breaks and check to see where Nosy might be. And we had several people on our staff who were constantly searching for her. Uh, we had one terrific uh, lady named Maria who lived in Ireland of all places and she was a whiz on the computer. She was a whiz at, at tracking anything down. And she would search. She would get up early in the morning and search all day. And she set up all of these different um, collaborations with people and uh, looked to see where where Nosy might be. Uh, she she got to know all the circus people and wow, <laughs> she she was amazing. So she would follow them on social media and eventually find Nosy for us. She would find her no matter where she was in the country. And Hugo Liebel was taking Nosy everywhere. I mean, she was, she'd be in Ohio, she'd be in Indiana, she'd be in Oklahoma, she'd be back in Florida, she'd be back up the East Coast, she'd all the way up to Maine and back. And Maria would find her and then we'd put out action alerts so that people knew where Nosy was going to be. Right. And when they knew and they could spread the word, then she could be found and she could be documented. And if there were infractions of the Animal Welfare Act, we could take that information from that documentation and do um, and file complaints. 
right. with the USDA or with local representatives or state representatives, because each state has their own set of laws, as do a lot of the local municipalities. municipalities exactly, right. So we found that to be very helpful as well. Um, of course, contacting legislators in various states um, became very important as we went along. As we, we've tried everything. We, we tried everything that we could possibly think of that might help to get Nosy out of that circus. Um, as time went on, she was deteriorating. We knew we had to move quickly. Uh, so we were pressured and stressed to make sure that we continued our search for her and make sure that all of those infractions of the Animal Welfare Act were documented and filed with as complaints with the USDA and with the local municipalities and the state fish and game departments and wildlife associations. Um, and uh, we, we were very, very effective doing that. Education has always been key and making sure that people understood what they were looking at when they saw an elephant beside the road giving rides or they saw an elephant in a circus doing tricks. This is what you're really looking at. Right. And we would send out alerts about that and we would send out videos and um, educational um, blogs and anything that we could think of to do to make sure that people understood what was going on. Um, legislators became very important in all of that because if we got them on our side, then we could enact um, legislation in certain states mm -hmm. to make sure that um, bans were kept on elephant riding or elephant use in circuses. Um, traveling circuses could no longer come through, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, that work is ongoing as we speak. It sure is, because that really does help limit where these circuses can enter. Certainly does. It yeah. certainly does. Yeah, each each state has its own set of rules, um, and each local municipality has its own set of rules. Oh, so sure does. Have to, yeah. you know, be aware of what those are. And um, we we did a lot of work with. Um, some lo local lawyers and that kind of thing along the way, just to just try to find any way that we could see what was going on um, with Nosy and how it would impact her possibly getting to sanctuary. I can't even imagine how you felt knowing that you, you knew that her physical health was deteriorating, not only her physical health, her mental health, her emotional health, her well-being overall was deteriorating the longer she was in the circus and traveling around and being confined and it, all the groundwork that you did to get her to where she is now is just, um, it is, it's an amazing story of love. How did the USDA respond to you when you were documenting all these infractions and, and giving them the proof that, Hey, look what's happening to her. She is being mistreated. Well, she right back at the beginning, when we first did our call-in action, we, we got very little response, we, or if we did, it would be a canned kind of response, a rote kind of letter that everybody received the same information. Uh, yeah, sure, we'll look into this. Yes, 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 sure, sure, sure. As time went on, of course, things got worse um, because the administration changed in 2016. 
Um, and that uh, that administration was not interested at all in helping animals. In fact, they they even took down the USDA website. They sure did. And, yeah, that was awful. And, uh, it was awful uh, because we had used that website um, significantly to find out uh, where the um, infractions had been, where where all of those uh, terrible things had happened, and there used to be a really good database yeah. of, of the complaints that they had received and what they had done about it, if anything. The problem with the USDA is they really are not much into accountability. Um, they're charged with upholding the, the Animal Welfare Act, but in actuality, there is no accountability and no, no, no real work done to ensure that those laws and regulations are really upheld. It's very a very frustrating process to go through with them. We could go and, and follow Nosy all over the country, get in incredible amounts of documentation through video and pictures and pers- personal testimony from people who went um, and submit it all. And we may never hear back from them. In fact, in mo- most situations, we never did. We never heard a word. Unbelievable, because this, yes. this, and, is, and a, this yeah, is a law. Know, yes, it is the law. And you were talking <laughs> about how, how um, earlier when you and I were talking personally about um, FOIA and, and mm-hmm. how FOIA is such an important thing. That's the um, way to get information, the federal um, um, way, way to get information about any animal that or any entity that is out there to find out what kind of infractions they may have had mm-hmm. and they don't respond. And during the um, years of 2016 through 2020, we weren't able to do that at all. Right. We could submit our FOIA requests, Freedom, Freedom, Freedom of Information Act requests, but we wouldn't get anything in response. In fact, uh, we submitted one, I think it was in 2017, and we just got um, response just this week. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And it was on something that, you know, that's so far back now that we've almost forgotten that it happened. So (laughs) there were so so many uh, requests that we put in for information that were never, never taken seriously by the USDA. And um, under the former administration, it, it just went went downhill. It fell on deaf ears. What's that? It, it just falls on deaf ears. It's it does. Just, it, it falls it's on deaf ears. Because that is your right. It is our well, constitutional right to have that information. Exactly. exactly. It is our constitutional right. But the Constitution went to, to heck in a handcart um, during those years. <laughs> right. It sure did. <laughs> and, it sure did. And unfortunately, um, we're still kind of working our way out of that as, as we come into this new administration. It's only been in, in, on force for a year. Um, so I don't know, uh, know how much we're going to be able to get done in that regard if we don't have people who are willing to hold others to account for what they're actually doing to animals. Uh, the USDA seems to be really all about the agricultural world, and they're really not that interested in dealing with exotic and wild animals in circuses and zoos. That's what I find as well. It's yeah. unfortunate. It is unfortunate. But even the day that we were in D.C. marching in, in June of 2015, uh, the USDA locked their doors 
so that we could not enter. Interesting. And they stood in their windows on the third third floor and laughed at us. Oh my so, gosh! So as we were out there, um, we had a, a, a one of the bullhorns um, letting people know what was going on. Um, they they just laughed at us as we were trying to get across our our feelings about what happened, what would happen, what should happen with Nosy. Such disrespect. Very much disrespect. Yeah. That breaks so my heart. It, it really broke ours. And because Nosy was such an emotional um, event, such an emotional being, that we felt that they, they really owed us much more than they did, much more than they were willing to give us. Well, they're here to serve the country, Yes, correct? they are. Yes. Yes, they're put in place by us. Right. So can you give us the story about how she was rescued? Yes. Um, again, this is where education and social media became probably the most important thing. Um, she was in a town in Alabama, a very small town. And Hugo Liebel was taking her through in her small trailer. Mm -hmm. And something happened to his truck. And he had to stop to get it fixed beside the road. They took her out of the trailer and set up this makeshift area beside the road um, where they tied her down, chained her to the ground. And she was standing there in her own feces and urine. Mm. And a couple of people, cry. I know, a couple of people happened to drive by and see an elephant beside the road. And they were like, what? What's an elephant doing beside the road? And when they saw her, they decided that they would uh, try to help because it looked like she needed help mm -hmm. for sure. So she, um, she was there standing and they went and offered to buy her hay because Hugo, which he always did, pleaded poverty and said that she hadn't been fed and didn't have any hay. And, Unbelievable. And there was no water available for her. The bucket had a hole in it. And uh, it was just a horrendous, horrendous situation. And this, these couple of people um, decided that they would go further. So one of them began to do a little research online and when when they found out her name they looked her up online and they found save nosy now our organization oh. and they went to our website they found our website and save nosynow.org and they called us because our phone number was on there and they they when they called and told us that they saw a, an elephant beside the road and they were pretty sure that it was nosy, uh, we went into action. The first thing we told them was to contact the local animal control officer. And they did that. She came out. And Alabama has some really pretty good laws about animals in distress. And this woman was very compassionate, very empathetic, and she could see with her own two eyes that Nosy needed help. So she decided that she would go to the local um, 
lawyers there, the district attorney, and see if she could do something about confiscating the elephant. And she did that. And they had a hearing the next morning. And the judge told her that she could do that, that she could confiscate the elephant. So she's thinking, well, now what do I do? Well, she had to have plans in place. If the judge said, yes, this is okay, what are we going to do with this elephant? Right. So uh, we called PETA because we knew that they had the big bucks, hopefully, <laughs> to help in this situation. And we knew there were, there were a couple of people working for PETA at the time who were absolutely enthralled with Nosy and wanted to do anything they could to help her. So when we contacted them and told them they were on a red eye immediately from wherever they were in the country to Alabama. Bless them. Bless them. And they got down there and they arranged transport so that Nosy could go to the Elephant Sanctuary in Tennessee. It was a temporary, supposedly temporary situation while this worked itself out in the courts. Hugo and his wife were charged with animal cruelty and they, they were arraigned right around that same time. Nosy was whisked, whisked away and um, more or less in the middle of the night. We were up all night long waiting for this to happen. And uh, when we finally got the word that she could be confiscated and that a, a trailer was available, a really beautiful luxury trailer for our Nosy, oh. nothing, nothing less. She deserves she, only that. Transported. Absolutely. She deserved every bit of this of this kind of work. So we got her to the sanctuary. She was um, looked at by the, the veterinarians there. And it was discovered that she not only suffered from severe arthritis, but she also had um, hyperkeratosis, which is a bacterial infection of her skin, which was years in the making and she'll always have it unfortunately um she had a chronic urinary tract infection she had been dribbling urine for probably months oh, if not girl. years and she would have died if she had stayed with that circus family we know this just from the horrifying veterinarian report that we received once she was at the elephant sanctuary. Unbelievable. Thank goodness for the women of Alabama, because <laughs> they were all women. They're all right women. on. The district attorney, <laughs> the judge, the animal control officer, they were all wonderful, compassionate, empathetic women who took charge and did the right thing for nosy. And that's what we need. We need compassionate people. Yes. Whether they be man or woman, we need compassionate, empathetic people who are going to look at something and realize what they're seeing and then take action. Right. Take that all in. See how that animal is really being treated. Would you exactly. want would that would you want that for yourself? Exactly. All it takes is a little bit of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, more or less. So putting yourself in that animal, on that animal's feet. Right. To see what it feels like to be her. 
What was it like for Nosy in that trailer where she couldn't lift her head? I can't even. Almost 30 years. She had such severe muscular atrophy um, when she arrived at the sanctuary that she could not lift her head normally. I mean, it, it, it just blows your mind when you think of what this poor, young, beautiful, sentient being went through. Exactly. Almost 30 years. And this is what's happening to all of the circus animals in this country. Exactly. All of them. There's, there's 55 to 57 circus elephants right now that are traveling in circuses still in this country, even after the Ringling Brothers closed down in 2016. So that makes that. such a difference. It does. It and does all of difference. the zoo animals that are dealing with similar issues, um, it just blows your mind. There's almost 300 of them in zoos. So we've got to one is too many. A lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness for your kindness and compassion for laying the groundwork because this is this is the catalyst that we need. Yes. So this is how Save Nosy Now Incorporated began, correct? Yes. We decided that it was time to move forward and do work for the other elephants now that Nosy's safe in sanctuary. Of course, it did take almost, well, it took three years to actually have this run through the courts and have the courts finally decree that she could be a permanent resident at the sanctuary in Tennessee. Wow, because three years. Because Hugo Liebel fought this, of course. Um There's a large circus lobby in D.C. and in various states. You have a lot of um, good old boys. Oh, you sure do. Yep. Running around doing doing their thing, trying to keep animals in captivity for profit. Right. That's what it all comes down to. Everything comes down to money in the end. Everything does. And that's that's with Hugo. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate part because these animals are getting caught in the middle. And yes, living these are. terrible lives. Yes. I know in Illinois, we passed a ban on elephants and traveling shows, and we're still working on getting other animals banned from traveling shows. And it's been years. Yes. Well, the problem, of course, is, as I said earlier, changes in administration, people come and go. Um, you have to start out with a new Congress or, or a new you know, legislative session. Um, it never makes it out of committees in time to get right. through the whole session in order to get to where you need it to be. It's a very frustrating process. And you have to be in it for the long haul. Yes, Illinois has done wonderful work in doing that. Some other states have also banned um, elephants and circuses, such as Colorado, California, New York, Hawaii. Um, Hawaii actually bans the import of any wild or exotic animals into the state. Beautiful. Because, you know, you got to get them there either by plane or by boat. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, Hawaii has done the right thing by banning them. Um, they should have a long time ago. There was an elephant there named Tyke back in the um, 80s that uh, was killed because he was in a, she was in a circus and went berserk and ran the streets of Hawaii. 
um, in Honolulu and was shot something like 80 times. Unfortunate. And, and murdered right oh. down the streets. Um, New Jersey um, banned uh, elephants and circuses. Uh, yes. No traveling circuses can come in. And their ban was based on Nosy's story. And I remember they, that they called their law Nosy's Law. Right. We were very instrumental in helping that along the way. We helped with protests. We were involved with the senators who uh, were sponsoring that bill in legislation in the New Jersey Senate and House. And we uh, we we managed to get that passed. And uh, we spoke at various legislative sessions and committees and in front of the Senate. Um, it was a, a very important piece of legislation that we hoped, again, would be another catalyst to get other states involved in doing the same thing. Right. There's also been a lot of cities that have banned wild elephant acts, um, Charlotte, North Carolina, New York City, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, Cincinnati, Missoula, Montana. I mean, they're all over the place. There's a whole list of them if anybody wanted to find them online to find out if your municipality has also taken um, into consideration some bans on wild elephant or wild animal acts in general. And it's very important that we do this, not just for the elephants, although they're very important. We also do this for the tigers and the lions and the camels and all of the other animals that are being used in circuses for profit. Uh, there's some large circuses out there that are still traveling. As I said earlier, uh, we've got the Franzen Circus. Um, they have two um, elephants, Oka and Costi, that they travel with right now. There's also a third elephant named uh, Magoo, and Magoo has been off the beaten path for a while. We haven't been able to find out anything. Again, that's oh, another really? one of our FOIA requests. Um, we haven't been able to find out where she is. Um, the Cardin Circus is also out there doing work with their four uh, Asian elephants, female elephants, Betty, Janice, Vicky, and Cindy. Oh. Uh, those elephants are in terrible, terrible condition. Uh, one of them drags her trunk. Um, oh, I think she gosh. has muscular problems with her trunk. They all have arthritis. Some of them are dribbling urine as they go about their elephant acts and doing the elephant rides. Can you imagine? I mean, if you're somebody at the circus and you notice that, I'm hoping that it would ring some bells. I don't know. I, I hope so too. I've always hoped that, but the people who tend to go to the circuses tend to be, tend to be in very poor communities. Uh, the circuses tend to, tend to set up their circus um, rings and there's elephant rides in um, a lot of uh, low-income communities. And I'm wondering, you know, how, how educated these people are and if, if they do have the wherewithal to actually see in front of their eyes what they're seeing. Are they seeing, yeah. are they seeing the bull hook that the trainer holds to, to scare. force the elephant to do those tricks? Exactly. No. Are they seeing those things with their actual eyes? I don't know. I know I, I did a protest for um, the circus in Chicago, and <clears throat> a lot of the attendees going to the circus were giving us a lot of pushback and were very angry that we were there. 
um, awful words being said to us yes. as we were well, just trying to be peaceful and just, you know, have the signs out just in some pictures showing them what it's, this is this animal that you're going to see is meant mm-hmm. to be wild. Mm-hmm. Protests are very important. They're important for any cause that you believe in. Um, as long as they're peaceful. And like you said, you, you go out and you try to do a peaceful demonstration and you get this awful, awful um, feedback from patrons going into a circus, calling you names, mm-hmm. shouting out epithets. Um, it, it's a very nasty, nasty business. Um, but as long as you're able to keep your cool and, <laughs> um, and just continue on um, without saying much, um, you can get your point across. I've done a lot of protests um, for the whales and the dolphins and the elephants. I've been to the Ringling protests before they shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the greatest things that we did was able to hand out literature to children about it um, in the form of cartoons and coloring books. Smart. Um, so that they could see what was actually happening. Um, it was the children that I found that were the most interesting at protests because they would come up to you and look at your signs and read your signs and ask you questions. And they were very interested. Why is that elephant in that picture being chained? Why is that? Why does it look like that elephant's being hit? Why are they hitting the elephant? Mm-hmm. It was it was very impactful for me to see that. I come from a teaching background as well, so having children become this interested and compassionate children will learn what you teach them. And if you teach them the right way and you teach them what's actually going on behind the scenes in as best a way as you can, depending on their age group, you're going to find that those kids will start questioning and and become activists themselves in the future. Completely. And of course, this is all for me, this is all about the future. This is all about educating the public so that they're themselves and their children are well educated about what's going on in circuses and zoos, that what they're seeing isn't the real animal. What they're seeing is a a, a figment of a their imagination. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a shell. It's a shell it's of an animal. Exactly. And I exactly. I I love that you um, brought to light about the children because they're so much more open than us adults. As we grow, we start to close down. And when they see that, it rings bells for them. It holds true. And they can be, you know, that advocate down the road to make some change. Absolutely. And I do believe that Um, There are are many activists out there right now working um, on those issues with children, actually developing curriculum for public schools and speaking with parent-teacher groups, um, speaking with teachers themselves to get the curriculum into the classrooms and moving forward like that. And I love this stuff. I I think that this is the future. Um, You know, I'm... I'm getting up in years and I would like to be able to see some semblance of the work that we've done with Safe Nosy Now um, being transformed by the younger generations so that work is actually accomplished so that zoos become a thing of the past, that they become more of the 
rescue, rehab, and release programs that we need for wild animals, that they stop importing wild animals from the wild, from Africa, from Asia, from all over the country, all over the world, um, to fill up zoos with elephants for profit. I don't want to see this happening anymore. And I surely don't want to see them in traveling circuses. We oh. need to get the circuses shut down. Totally. One of the biggest ways we can do that is not only by educating, but by helping to sponsor TEPSPA, which is the Traveling Exotic Animal and Public Safety Act. It is right now in front of Congress. It has gone through several committees. It is doing very well. There are only over 74 um, sponsors, bipartisan on this okay. bill. Um, and if we can get this done, we will essentially stop circuses in their tracks. That's well, how? the key. Now, so we've got to keep working you, on I, this. I'm sorry, who, do you know who introduced it? Yeah, um, well, the um, Animal Defenders International is the largest uh, group that has been working on this. Okay. Um, and there are a couple of senators, um, Grajalva, I believe his name is. Yes, he's wonderful. In he's Arizona. a big, yes, he's a big yeah. animal advocate. Yes, he's one that that um, actually started the sponsorship of this, and he has has gotten seventy odd sponsor co sponsors for the bill. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, so that's moving forward. If we can, if we can do that, then the AWA, that Animal Welfare Act, will essentially be changed, so that elephants will no longer or wild animals will no longer be able to travel in circuses around the country because you know it does become you know it's part of the the title is the public safety act so many people have been hurt because yes. of circus animals going berserk or getting out of control the animals are in such terrible situations that they they fight against their captivity Yes. Wouldn't you? I mean, yes, I would completely fight you know, against my captivity. Chained. Of course, they're chained, you know, sometimes 24 hours a day until they're being used for the next day. Right. Or, you know, they're they're not fed properly. So they're that, not even treated humanely. Not at all. Not at all. So that's why, you know, the, the education is so important and getting these kind of laws and legislation passed really, really has to happen. It has to happen now so that we can move forward, stop the circus acts, um, get as many of those elephants and other animals, the lions, the tigers, and so forth, into reputable sanctuaries. There are two wonderful sanctuaries in this country. I've already talked about the elephant sanctuary in Tennessee, where Nosy is now residing and doing remarkably well when she looks terrific, oh, she's, so she's gained beautiful. weight because she was so underweight when she was when she arrived. Um, a lot of her uh, medical problems are being addressed and taken care of. She's been there since 2017, so um, she's had five years now to really become the elephant that she needs to be. She also has um, a problem in that she was exposed to tuber to tuberculosis which is another killer of captive elephants. Okay. They tend to get tuberculosis and other virus type things um, in captivity because they're in captivity, because they're held so tightly 
in cramped spaces and they're out in the in public with people tb can be transferred from human to elephant and from elephant to human okay. so nosy was a public safety risk that's why this public safety part of the tpspa act in, in the federal government is so important because not only is it going to protect the wild and exotic animals, it's going to protect people as well. Right. There have been instances of people developing TB because of their work around captive elephants. So, you know, it all kind of goes in a circle. It's it all does. kind of a vicious cycle, but we hope that that cycle is going to be broken if we can get this TEPSPA Act passed in the current Congress um, with as much bipartisan support as we can muster. I'm wondering if um, people can look it up and then actually call their sponsors yes, or their, their representatives and yep. say they want to see this supported. There's a very easy way to do it. Just type in stopcircussuffering.com and it will take you to the website that will help um, get you in, in touch with your legislators, how, what to say to them, how to go about educating them, how to educate your friends and family um, and the public. So yes, stopcircussuffering.com will get you where you need to go. That's perfect. That. And it's, it's, it does, people may not realize this, but I've also been in this industry where I'm, I'm supporting bills that help with animal welfare. And when you do call your legislator, they do take that seriously because you are their constituent. Yes, they do. They do. Um, and even if you're not their constituent, I'm, I've found in, in some situations with nosy over the years that if you call someone and you're you're kind and you're you're, you're full of facts and reason um, and you're you're reasonable, then they will listen to you and yes. they will take down your information. Um, but calling your your own legislators as their constituent you have tremendous power in anything that you want to call them about. If you see something, you know, like this woman saw in Alabama, seeing an elephant standing beside the road, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, what do I do? Well, start with local animal control. If they can't help you, then we go to the state fish and game department or their wildlife association. If they can't help you, then we go to the USDA. We didn't want to get to the USDA at that point because we knew that they were not going to be accountable in 2017 of all, all years to, for this to happen. <laughs> right. They were not going to help us at all. So we knew that if anybody was going to do it, it had to be from a local or state level. And we were grateful that we found the right people. It was an amazing story because it all just fell into place yes, for her. Mm-hmm. Now that nosy is safe in a sanctuary is save nosy now incorporated focusing on any particular captive elephants to help initially we focused on an elephant in virginia named asha she's at the natural bridge zoo in virginia um, and we decided that we would try working um, to get her to sanctuary out of a zoo rather than a circus to see how that would go 
We worked with uh, some very amenable legislators in Virginia. We even uh, spoke with the governor. Um, we talked with local animal control. They were not helpful. Uh, we talked with um, a lot of the good old boy organizations in that area. They're all in cahoots pretty much with the Natural Bridge Zoo and the owner there mm. who owns um, Asha. Um, there were some billboards put up um, around the uh, Roanoke area and the Richmond area in Virginia uh, about Asha. Um, we did um, as much as we could do. We went as far as we thought we could go. We created a coalition with Jane Goodall and her Roots and Shoots program. Oh, okay. Um, and with anim- um, In Defense of Animals. Um, and we've kind of come to a, a standstill at this point because we're not sure exactly where we're going to go. But um, there will be further work done for Asha. Um, the other elephants that we're following are the ones that I had spoken a, a little bit about earlier, um, Oka and Costi with the mm-hmm. Friends and Circus. Um, he's one of the worst elephant abusers in the country, oh. Brian Franzen. Um, George Carden Circus with his four female elephants, Betty, Janice, Vicky, and Cindy. We're also working uh, with the tar uh, for the... Uh, to get the elephants Marie and Shell out of the Tarzan Zerbini Circus. And Carson and Barnes, which is a very large circus entity, have four that we're kind of looking at. They have more than four elephants. They have many elephants at their facility in Oklahoma called Endangered Ark Foundation. But we we tend to focus more on, on Viola, Isa, Isla, and Becky. Um, we also fight like crazy against the shrine circuses. Yes. The shrine circuses don't own their elephants. They actually lease or rent them. Really? Yes. And they rent them from entities like Carson and Barnes, like Brian Franzen, like Carden. They rent the elephants. They use them for their circus performances and elephant rides. Um, and they do that for, for pure profit for the local shrine temple the money from circuses with the shrine circuses does not go for children's hospitals or any other terrific philanthropy as some people may believe right they believe the the uneducated public believe that the money that they're giving to the shrine circus actually helps children in the children's hospital you hear it all the time. You hear it on the streets. If you go to a shrine circus and you just ask a few people, what is your ticket? What does your ticket pay for? They'll say, oh, well, that that's a donation to the shrine hospitals. Read the back of your ticket. The back of your ticket tells you just the opposite. It is a for-profit organization <laughs> and they will use that money strictly at their own shrine temple, whichever temple is sponsoring that circus in that municipality. And they will use that money for parties, um, travel, um, vacations, you know, whatever. Something they have to buy, you know, fixing up their temple. Yeah, that's, that's the shrine circus for you. We'd love to be able to get the shrine circus closed down completely. Yes. 
You're exploiting animals just to have an enriched life for yourself. Yes, they certainly are. They certainly are. So that's those are, are the key ones that, that we tend to follow. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot, lot of others that we could be following. And if we see something about any of the other circus elephants, we try to keep people informed. Um, Save Nosy Now, as I said, is a closed Facebook page on Facebook, but we also have a Twitter account. We're on Instagram um, and we have our website, savenosynow.org, where people can, can come and find us, ask questions. If they want to join the group, all they have to do is answer a couple, couple of simple questions and ask to join. And um, for the most part, most everybody gets in. Uh, we give everybody a chance to come into the, our community and find out what we're doing, see if it's something that they want to continue with us with and help us with. Um, if they want to leave, that's fine too. Uh, we haven't found very many who have left. Um, our, our, our membership has grown from that initial thousand after the first year to about 3,500 right now. Beautiful. We like keeping it small. We like the idea that we have a bunch of really dedicated advocates and activists who are uh, very involved in not only elephant activism, but other kinds of animal activism. Um, They can bring a lot to the table and they help us move through a lot of the situations that we get into uh, following these elephants around the country. That's beautiful. So um, call to actions type things and... Yes. Action alerts is very important. If we see something happening, we will definitely let our members know this is happening. Can, if you can go out to document, please let us know. We have a documentation handbook that we can hand out to people to let them know what we're looking for, how to document uh, the kinds of situations you might get into, that kind of thing. It's on our website. Um the protesting, of course, we, we encourage that whenever there's a circus coming to your town, we would hope that uh, one or two of you or more will get together and get out there with a couple of signs and let people know what's actually going on behind the scenes. Um, again, documenting those elephants if you can, and then we can file complaints with your testimonies so that the USDA knows that we are keeping track and we know what's going on out there. Whether they do anything or not, it still has to be done. It still must be done because they're, they are still accountable and they still work for us, the taxpayers. Right. They work for us. So we need to make sure that they get out there and they do their work. Um, whether or not they give citations or violations is their prerogative. But if they are finding violations and citations, at least make them public so that we know what we're dealing with and the problems that the elephants are having. Um, The other thing I wanted to speak to you about just briefly is the zoos, because zoos are a little different than circuses. We can follow the zoos, I mean, the circus elephants around, but following the zoo elephants is much more difficult. A lot of times the habitats are very small in zoos. we have to be very careful about how we document things. A lot of times the zoos won't allow you to take video for very long and that kind of thing. Um, but going to the zoos and seeing the elephants um, is like I, like you said earlier, just a shell of what you're actually seeing in the wild. If you go to the wild, if you've been to Africa or Asia and you've seen elephants in the wild, you know the differences automatically with your own eyes. 
Uh, we, we are helping and supporting those organizations that are fighting to get zoo elephants out of captivity and into sanctuary. Um, in defense of, of animals comes out with a 10 worst zoos list every year. And their 10 worst zoos just came out um, a month or two ago for this year, for 2021. And the top zoo, the number one zoo for that's worst for elephants is the Edmonton Valley Zoo, which is in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. In that zoo, uh, there is an elephant named Lucy. Yep. And Lucy has been in captivity for the majority of her life, over 40 years. Um, she's in terrible shape. She has a lot of arthritis problems. She's overweight. Um, she's alone, so she's dealing with a lot of depression, I'm sure. Um, she's never had elephant companionship that for, for very long periods of time. Can you imagine that? I mean, I they're just... They're, it's like putting yourself in a bathroom somewhere and locking the door and never coming out. Yes. And they're social by nature that they live in their herd. So for her to be alone. Yeah. It blows your mind. Devastating. Really mm-hmm. So we fight, we fight to help Lucy. Um, there's a, a group in Edmonton called LEAP, L-E-A-P, Lucy's Edmonton Adv- Advocacy Project. And we are very good friends with them and help them along their way and post um, their actions as they uh, get them in to try to get Lucy out. Um, We also work with other organizations around the country, such as Elephant Guardians in Los Angeles for Billy the Elephant at the Los Angeles Zoo. Uh, We work with the uh, Western Mass um, Animal Advocacy Group for Minnie the Elephant, um, who is in New England, um, and the Non-Human Rights Project, who's currently working on getting um, animal personhood rights for Happy the Elephant at the Bronx Zoo in New York. And um, there are two elephants at the Fresno Chaffee Zoo in Fresno, California, that they're they've just taken on as new clients as well to provide personhood rights for anim- for elephants. If we if they win, which we hope, of course, they do, uh, that means that Happy the elephant and the two elephants at Fresno Chaffee Zoo would become the first elephants in history to be deemed persons and would have the same rights as a human being. Oh my gosh. It's just an incredible, incredible thing that they've taken on. Um, And we're watching that very carefully to make sure that uh, we can support them in those efforts. Oh, by far. Get that happen. The other elephant that I wanted to mention is Bubbles. Bubbles is a beautiful African elephant, also all by herself for most of her life at the Myrtle Beach Safari um, by a notorious abuser and trafficker of elephants named Doc Antle. He was featured in the Netflix series Tiger King recently. He's one of the many that were featured um, as a trafficker and user and abuser of animals. And Bubbles is his only elephant at the Myrtle Beach Safari. She gives rides and does certain performances when when tasked to do that. Can you imagine um, having to live with your abuser? 
Yeah. Well, they all do. Right. Every one of them, whether they're in a zoo or a circus, they're living with some sort of abuse, whether it be neglect, poor food, poor veterinary care, poor anything, um, or at the at the end of a bullhook, they're being they're being abused in some way. Yes, just the fact that you're in a zoo or in a circus alone. Exactly. And all of these elephants that you've mentioned, I mean, most people know about them, which yeah. is so sad is that they are continuing to live this life that is not deserving. So that's right. Um, we just have to keep up the public outcry. Education is key. Education for me has always been key anyway. I, coming from an education background and teaching, um, it, it, um, it's the most important thing in any society that people be educated well about what's going around or going on around them. What impacts your life? What impacts the life of those around you? What impacts the animals around you? Um, if you're if you're aware, awareness, and then educated about those issues, then you're going to do better. You're going to do good, and I firmly believe that. Um, we can c- continue that public outcry. We can do legislation by keeping on top of our legislators. Uh, we can provide proof of the horrid lives that these elephants and other animals are existing with. They, they're, 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 they're suffering greatly. They're, their suffering outweighs the need for human entertainment. In by so far, many ways. By far. And it outweighs the needs for profit. Find another way to make a living. Please. That's those circus people out there, those zoo people out there, find another way to make a living rather than on the backs of poor, suffering animals. Right. Instead of hurting another being to mm-hmm. fund your life. Right. And stop bringing elephants into the country. I mean, they just brought 16, actually 17 elephants into the country from Swaziland a few years ago, and they distributed them to three different zoos in the United States to fill up their elephant quotas. One of them died in transport. So I'm not surprised. Of course. Right. Young, young elephants taken from the wild, taken from their mothers. I can't, I can't. Situations. I can't even imagine what life is like in it. You have no rights. You have no rights. Somebody else is telling you how you're going to live your life and it's an abusive life. That's right. The trauma that they have experienced, Mm -hmm. like Nosy, taken away. Her family was killed. She's a baby being transported to another country. I mean, it's unbelievable. Can you imagine? I mean, just the confusion and the trauma and the Uh, terror that those 63 baby elephants must have felt being loaded into a into trucks and then loaded onto an airplane and flown for many hours I from can't. Africa, from I Zimbabwe can't. to the United States. Uh, thank goodness for a while they had each other. Right. You know, out of those 63 baby elephants that were transported, there's only about 18 still living. Unbelievable. Because that they had 1984. They, and when they are in the wild, they have such a long lifespan. Yes, they can. African elephants like Nosy can live um, up to 90 years. Yeah. I've seen some elephants live that long. They can live as long as humans do. 
Right. Asian elephants have a, a lower lifespan. It's between 60 and 70 for the most part, although there are ex- some exceptions. We had Shirley, uh, the elephant who lived to be 72. Shirley, yeah. The elephant sanctuary in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that there are many wild elephants that live well beyond the 70 years. So yes, there is longevity. They've got a long life on earth to live. And we, we take that away from them by putting them in captivity. They only lead maybe half of that life. Yeah. And who are we to take away their rights? Exactly. It's all perspective. It's really perspective globally because it's, yes, they're coming here. And then we have these circuses and zoos that are profiting off of their being in these zoos and circuses, but you also have the perspective of who was allowing them to be transported out. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. It is when they're taking, especially when they're taking animals from the wild to be used for profit in zoos and circuses and at roadside zoos and the wild, And of course there's still wildlife trafficking going on all over the world. Massively. Massively. They're not only selling um, animals that are alive, they're selling animals that are dead and using their skin and their feet and their tails and their tusks and their rhino horns and everything else for For traditional Asian medicine and other things that, uh, you know, and for for knickknacks. For knickknacks, exactly. It blows your mind. To put a cover, you know, they're using giraffe skin to put on a cover for a book or to make a pillow out of. I mean, it's just, yes. it's horrendous. So it's yes, it is horrendous. All the people that want to advocate and have that desire, that itch inside to want to stand up and speak out, it you can do it. And you can start with Save Nosy Now Incorporated and just yes. sign up and become a member. That's right. Just, you know, find us on Facebook under Save Nosy Now. Ask to join the group. Um, Go to our website, savenosynow.org. Find us on Twitter at Save Nosy Now. Instagram at Save Nosy Now. Uh, We're there. We're posting. We're we're trying to keep educating the public. And if we can educate and pull people together in coalitions and collaboration and common cause, then we can make a difference. I'm hoping that this has made a difference in some people's lives today, just listening. Thank you, Barbara. It has been an absolute privilege and honor to speak with you today. Thank you, Nicole. I really appreciate the opportunity. And let's move forward and do something good for the elephants. Mm-hmm.